The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is our Heart Health Radio and we are going to talk about a lot of things today. Well, we have so much to talk about. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? I mean, we, can we uh, ask for a third hour? Yes. No? Let's do that. All right. Tell you, everybody right now, <laughs> call Deb. No, I'm just kidding. No. Here's don't. The thing. Don't. Here's but. the thing. I know the people who are in charge of scheduling the yeah. radio programs uh-huh. on the station. Uh-huh. Don't worry about it. We'll get another. Okay. We'll get as many as we need uh, to do this. And the great thing is, no matter where you listen to the show or when you listen to the show, there is the Apple Podcast and HeartHealthRadio.com version which is slightly longer. Yeah. I can't explain why, but it just is. Yeah. All right, 919-860-9783. Yes, Dr. Weefold will take your phone calls. Yes, Dr. Weefold, there is a Santa Claus, right? <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about um, mask or no mask. We're going to talk about uh, booster shots and or no booster shots. Oh, yeah. Um, AstraZeneca says they've got something going to take care of you. You'll be all right. Ah, yeah. Even if you get it, we got to do we, yeah. something I short of a cure. I actually talked about this a long time ago. Yeah. Long, and long time ago. Are we leveling off? I think we probably are. It looks like it. If you look at what happened in India with uh, Delta, it was about a month and a half rising and then a month and a half going down. Okay. It was doing the same thing in bloody old England. Yes. But now it's going up again in England, and I can't figure that out because surprise, surprise, surprise. Did you ever watch that show? No. You never watch Gomer Pyle? Oh, yeah, I watched Gomer Pyle. I've never watched Surprise, Surprise. Surprise. That's what he used to say. He did, you go ahead, do your Gomer Pyle impression. Surprise, surprise, surprise. No, that's terrible. That's good. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise. All right. I want you to call it a vote. Who did the better Gomer, David the- or me? Anyway, get to the point. Um, 94% of adults in England have COVID antibody. Uh-huh. Yeah. They do. And so what does this mean? That there, It means what we always said. There were a tremendous number of people mm-hmm. um, who had asymptomatic infections. And so if you look at what's happening in, in, in the India – yeah. Uh, is that it's gone way down. The deaths mm-hmm. in India are um, averaging about one twentieth of okay. the deaths that were going on during their May-June peak of uh, the Delta. But in England, even though, I mean, they, I mean, think about it. We, Fauci said we were going to have herd immunity at 80%. Okay. They've got 94%. And so their peak... In mid-July, was 42,000 cases. Yeah. It went down in the beginning of August to 25,000, and now it's climbing back up to 31,000. But the interesting thing, the deaths have not climbed. Um, they're up to about 80 a day. 
Now, if you compare the deaths during the alpha variant in the winter, they were huge. So this is the interesting thing. When the alpha event hit in the winter of the UK, they had a tremendous increase in the death rate, a tremendous increase in the case rate. Well, Delta hit, and so the case rates were very, very high uh, just about a month ago, and now they're climbing up again. But the death rate is just inching up a little bit. Now, what does that tell us? Uh, that it doesn't, I mean, having COVID before or having had any of the vaccines yeah. will not prevent the Delta from infecting you. It does about 60%. But if you get it, and, you, and a lot of people are getting it, it is a much milder illness. Right. And that's what we're seeing in the UK. Um, and we saw that in, we didn't see that in India because they weren't fully vaccinated. So the difference between India and the UK is the prevalence of natural infection along with the prevalence of having been vaccinated. So the cases are huge in the UK and going back up again, but the number of people who are getting very sick is not going up. Closer uh, to as home. E- as easily. Yeah, North Carolina, it's almost the same thing. We have 3,100 people currently hospitalized. Yeah. And Johnston County, your stomping ground. Is bad. The hospital is swamped. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that's literally the, the, the words they're using. Yeah. That we have no empty beds. Now, what's the difference between Wake County and Johnston County? Oh, there's there's a significant cultural difference. Some cultural, but what is what else is it? The people in Wake County now, and the ones who grew up here and and were you know the original ancestral yeah. Wake Countyans are in the minority now. Okay, so Cary is the concentrated area of relocated Yankees, right? Yeah, That's what sure. they say. Yeah. And you go to Wegmans, and I don't hear nobody talking like this. Oh my you know. Gosh. And all the cars, um, you know, are, are New York license plates and stuff like that. They've yeah. moved down recently. Yeah. The vaccination rate in Wake County is 75%. That's excellent, right? Sure, sure, yeah. In Johnson County, it's heading about 30%. Wow. Now, the interesting thing, and I, I, I'm going to love this, is that when I walk into the room of a patient who is waiting for me and waiting for me, and waiting for me. <laughs> I say, first thing, are you vaccinated? And yes. And they want to whip out their cards to yeah. show Dr. Weefall that they're vaccinated. I love it. Yeah. And then there are a few, uh, and they are a few, um, who aren't going to ever get vaccinated. And I'm never going to change their mind. Um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger method. Yeah. Did you hear him? Yeah, I did. Ah, you, uh, you idiots. Your freedom doesn't count. You he must did. get vaccinated. If you don't, you're a stupid, stupid guy. Okay, that's very good. That's, that's good? A, yeah, that's, okay. a, that's a very good. And approach. I actually like Arnold, um, but that's not the way you approach anti-vaccinators, okay? You just don't. Right. Um, I respect my Johnston Countyans who won't, and you know why? Because mm. Facebook is full of this crap, you know, yep. that it's going to make you electromagnetic, that it's a, you know, a conspiracy on the part of Yankees to kill Southerners and stuff like that. So I understand, but let me tell you, yeah, almost all the patients who are sick and dying are unvaccinated. And this is why there is a wave in Wake County, uh, but it's not nearly what you're seeing in my in my practicing county of Joko. Right. right. And so, please, if you're out there listening, I want you to trust Dave and Weefy, 
Okay. Oh yeah. In fact, we're changing the name to the Dave and Weefy Show. Well, yeah. That's my nickname, Weefy. That's what they call me. That's I love good. it. But anyway, if you're listening to Dave and Weefy, please get your vaccine. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. In the in the radio world, you always have a normal name, and then you have a another weird name. Okay. Yeah. Weefy's not weird. So it's Dave and the Weefy. The Weefy. Now, yeah. the, the Weefy makes it sound like <laughs> there's some, you know, honorable, you know, like, you know, it's just Weefy, you know. Okay. I got that in high school. The other name I had was Tonto because I, I'm half Chinese, half white, and everybody used to ask me, am I Native American? And they used to call me Tonto, which is pretty cool. I'm, I'm now looking at you differently. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and, you know, I, I will say this. What's um, that? I have more Native American blood in me than, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Elizabeth Warren? Elizabeth Warren. Really? Yeah. And so I did the, um, what's it called? 23andMe. Yeah. And I lied. I told him I didn't know my ancestral background. Okay. And you want to know something? What's that? Eerie. Eerie. Yeah. Yeah. I was 50% Viking Norwegian. Yeah. With my origins outside of Oslo, and that's where my dad's family came from. That, not only did they get that right, yeah, they got the actual city, the town they were from. Yeah. And then my mother, I was 48.1% Han Chinese. Now, remember, in China, yeah. the Han were the ones from central China who eventually took over. Okay. okay. There's the Mongolians, and there's other you know, ethnic groups. But I was also 1.8% Native American. Now, mm. you want to know why? Mm. It, it doesn't surprise me at all. Where did they come from? Native Where did Americans? the Native Americans come from 15,000 years ago? I wasn't around then. I don't know. China. The they Native American came from China? Originally, yeah. And think about it, the Bering Strait Bridge. If you look at... Okay. Um, that situation. So, if you want to know something, What's I have more Native American blood than Elizabeth Warren. Here's the uh, here's the odd part. We've been talking about two two relatively pale guys talking about race for a good minute and a half, and neither one of us have been canceled. Uh, I haven't gotten fired yet. I wouldn't call it race. Okay, I'm calling it ethnic diversity ethnic background. Diversity. Okay. Okay. Well, and 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 I think if you haven't done 23andMe, and you know why a lot of my patients won't do it, hmm. because they're convinced, just like the vaccines, it's a government plot to track you down, right? And then another yes. patient said, "I don't want to do it." I said, "Why?" Well, you know, they're using this to catch crooks. They right? are. What if, what if my cousin was a murderer? Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, wouldn't you want your cousin caught if you were a murderer? In theory, sure. In theory, yes. Let's get back to Smithfield. The interesting thing about Johnston County, and we're this, in case you're wondering how this was going to tie together. Yeah, I'm waiting. Okay, so Johnston County has not seen the influx of Northerners. Uh, Clayton is uh, starting. Yes. Yeah. Five families came to Johnston County in 1755. <laughs> if you think I'm kidding, I'm not kidding. Just, and where did they come from? The west of Scotland. Uh-huh. Okay? What is the highest incidence of coronary disease in the world? Where? The west, the west of, of Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, you know uh, where the first trial, clinical trial of um, uh, statins was? West of Scotland? West of Scotland. Yeah. And you know why? Why? Because they didn't have to go very far in terms of, or long, in terms of finding a difference. Because there were so many people who had 
coronary disease. Yeah. So that was Pravastat, and it was called the West of Scotland trial, or WASCOPS, okay? So Johnston County, I had a choice between, when I came here, between going to Clayton or Johnston County. And I chose Johnston County, not that I don't like Clayton. I mean, no, no. Cary. Yeah. I had a chance to go in Cary or Johnston County because that's where the people needed me. So what we're seeing in uh, Johnston County versus Wake County is a cultural difference. And yes. unfortunately, um, and I love the cultural people. I love the culture of Johnson County. Yeah, They're right. good people. They're family. They are God-fearing and they love the United States of America. But unfortunately, there has been in Johnston County a, a prevalence of thinking that the vaccines are dangerous. So if you are in Johnson County and you trust Dave and the Weefy, yeah, you're going to believe that they're not dangerous. And and I tell my patients, 300 million doses, 2,500 to 3,000 very serious side effects. Now, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Right. People can have serious side effects to the vaccine. Um, and it depends on your genetic background, your own personal uh, reaction, and that is genetically based. But that percent risk is zero point zero 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 five percent. You're much more likely to be killed by a lightning strike. And I ask these people, do you drive? Right. Yeah. The right. risk of dying in a car wreck over your lifetime is, Dave. Well, I don't know. One in a hundred. And I ask really? them, are you going to drive home? Are you going to drive home? Sure. So take the risk of getting the vaccine because it's it's so infinitesimal. And what do you and why do you hear about all these these bad outcomes? Yeah. Because they're so rare. Right. So um, Johnson County, the people who are working in the hospital, my hat is tipped yes. to the nurses and the administrators and the doctors and you know the staff, the EKG technicians. They are fighting for these people's lives. But what's the truth? Mm-hmm. The vast majority are, of the people who are really sick in the hospital are unvaccinated. Okay. I am going to ask you a question about this, and then I hope that we can move on to the multiple well, cardiac... How out. important is this right it's now? It's very it's important. It's the most saying, important issue. I'm not erasing the last 10 minutes. I'm just ready to move on. Here's my question All to right. you. What's the question? I'm diabetic. I've had stents. I've had open heart. I've probably got two or three things we haven't even thought about yet. Should I be lining up or signing up for the booster whenever it's available? Absolutely. And I I think the booster, what does it do? Um, Sure, it raises your antibody levels. But one of the things that they haven't been talking about is that the booster shot is going to rev up your entire immune system, the natural born killer cell. And these are white blood cells that just attack any foreign agent. I don't have those. Yeah, you do. You're a natural-born killer. Okay. All right. And so, yeah, the booster is is big. Now, I'm lucky. You are because? I qualify for it right now. Really? I'm getting mine tomorrow. Yeah, because healthcare workers. Really? Yes. And what I would tell people out there is that if you are at risk, and if you have diabetes, you have a weakened immune system. It may not be weak as somebody with, say, rheumatoid arthritis or somebody who's clearly not as, as weak as somebody who's got cancer and is on chemotherapy. Right. But it'll help. And right. it'll really, and the study's been done. The people who had the booster, um, 70% protected against any infection. Right. And about 
percent and ninety nine point nine nine. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. give you the exact number. Protected yeah. against serious illness, and this is why you're getting it to protect you against serious, serious illness if you get Delta. And let me tell you, the Lambda is coming. Yeah. Lambda is another mutant uh, that's going to uh, work its way up from South America. And why? Why is it going to work its way up from South America? Oh, because we're having yes, tourists 200, come 000, in. Yes, They're not tourists. 200,000 people crossing the border. And what do they do? They say, oh, you got COVID. All right, get on the bus, but just wear a mask. Yeah. And they're shipping them all over the country. And I, I think this is a public health crisis. But because of politics, um, they are not, the government powers that be are not going to do anything. But you get a free plane ticket and a, or a bus ticket. Yeah. It's just amazing. All right. Dr. Weefall talked to Rebecca Mason, who has something called Marfan's syndrome. Yep. We're going to feature on today's show th- that interview. And, and where is she from? She's from Australia. Right. And so... She, we had a fan club in Australia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And then we also have a very, very nice <laughs> message from somebody from... Uh, he's from Iceland. Iceland. So yeah. if you think that yeah. we are not yeah. spreading all over the world, oh, we, we are, are Davy. We are. We are. Yeah. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio. You can call between noon and 2 every Saturday, and we'll take your phone call, 919-860-9783. So a woman goes to a doctor, and they check her cholesterol, and her cholesterol is high. And what was the most important? The second most important thing about this story. I don't know. That, uh, she had a lot of uh, primary relatives who died young. I mean, not just had heart uh. disease, but died young. And so she had a syndrome called familial hypercholesterolemia, which means that it's very high. And you're missing a lot of what we call the LDL receptor, which helps to clear cholesterol out of your bloodstream. I and mean, that's what familial hypercholesterolemia is. Right. I've talked about calcium scores, and that is a CT scan. And when your cholesterol is there for a while, in most people, it calcifies on the outside. And so you can tell that somebody has cholesterol buildup by the amount of calcium in their bloodstream. So I want to make it absolutely clear, and this is something that maybe I'd emphasize enough, you can still have cholesterol buildup with a zero calcium score, even if you're 70 years old, because there's something called soft plaque. And people with familial hypercholesteremia and markedly fam- uh, a markedly positive family history of early coronary disease can have non-calcified plaque. And that plaque is squishy. Okay, It's like the chocolate-covered cherry that's going to split. Yeah. All the stuff on the inside pours out, and it clots and causes a serious heart attack. So this lady, Therese Roth, she's 61 in my age group. She's a medical researcher and very high cholesterol, uh, familial hypocholesterolemia, multiple relatives, uh, 40, 35 years old, even one, died of heart attack. Oh, my. And so the physician, and I I really don't want to shame him because I think it's education. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not that he should be ashamed of himself. It's just that he didn't keep up. And so you listeners are going to be educated, and maybe you can even talk to your doctor about it. But statins don't work in familial hypercholesterolemia because it's just a different it's a different bugaboo. It's a lack of a, enough LDL receptors 
to clean out the cholesterol in your bloodstream. So you can have a calcium score. And if you are symptomatic and with a zero calcium score, you need to be attended to. Don't just say my calcium score is zero. If you have a family history and high cholesterol, you could have only soft plaque and therefore no calcium. So she went off of her statin, wasn't offered anything else, and she started getting chest discomfort. And this physician said, well, it can't be your heart, okay, because your calcium score is zero. Well, she went to another doctor, had a flunked her stress test, as they say, and wound up getting bypass surgery. Good for her. There is a medicine now that will help people, and it's called heterozygous familial clusterment. That is to say, half of you uh, was inherit, you inherited half of your genes that didn't make the LDL receptor, uh-huh. and the other half made a little bit. And it's called Repathin. It's what I take. Now, Repathin is a different kind of cholesterol medication. It's a monoclonal antibody. That is to say, it's an antibody made in a Petri dish and then multiplied over, just like antibodies against COVID. And it blocks the destruction of LDL receptors. So anything in your body gets made and then gets degraded made and then degraded. And this prevents the degrading so you have more LDL receptors. So her cholesterol came down. Okay. And now she's doing well. So the answer is don't get any idea that with a zero calcium score and if you have a family history and if your cholesterol is high that you can't have bad coronary disease that can be fixed. Right. And there are medicines that help. I mean... Statins are wonderful, and right. she's on a statin too. You know why? Even though it didn't lower cholesterol, oh. what does that do? It lowers inflammation. And people who are on statins who get COVID, clearly, it's been shown, have a lower um, chance of having a serious illness because statins reduce inflammation. When you reduce inflammation in coronary disease, you reduce the risk that the plaque is going to break and a clot's going to form and you're going to have a heart attack. Hmm. So cheers to Teresa Roth. She should be shouted out. And, you know, come on, guys. Uh, if you're a primary care physician, get with the program. All right. We've got another story that's under along similar lines, yeah. okay. much closer to home, but we'll talk about that later. We've got coming up on the radio program, Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Uh, they've got a whole comparison on uh, Senate and House uh, budget passage, and apparently the budgets are pretty close but they've gone left side of the page right side of the page with them and compared one and the other and there's something going on with medicaid or medicare medicaid medicaid and it's and we're going to talk to a doctor for whom this has real world problems and that's that's coming up on our program right here heart health radio now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. We're on Apple Podcasts, and we're at hearthealthradio.com. We welcome Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Hi, Rose. How are you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? I was going to tell everybody last week that you have, and your organization, of course, you're this has been a big year for you, you know, because you've yeah. just been on top of things so much. But you've also sort of, I don't know, Rose, you're coming out of your lane and you're entering our area. You produce a program called Healthcare Half Hour North Carolina. Yes, 
Yes. Uh-huh. We're, we're doing a monthly conversation with a healthcare either expert or newsmaker. So we've done three. And uh, the one we did this week was a live Q&A with uh, Dr. David Wolf from UNC Healthcare. He's an infectious disease specialist who's done lots and lots of work. He's worked in Africa on Ebola and HIV, but he's been focused on COVID, obviously, for the past year and a half. So um, it was, I I mean, we were inundated with questions um, from readers who who tuned in, and we've had hundreds of views of the... uh, of the YouTube, you know, we put the we put the video up on YouTube afterwards. We've already had hundreds of views within forty eight hours. It's unprecedented for us. Very good. Good for so, you. There's also an article up about parents and kids and COVID and masks and anxiety. Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, you think about like little kids. Um, you know, especially the kids under 12, they can't get the vaccine. They might be worried, like, am I going to get sick? Or, right. you know, like, what's it going to be like to go to school? Um, especially now that Delta, like, I think at the beginning of the summer, in the middle of the summer, people were thinking, okay, kids can maybe go back to school and it won't be too huge a deal. But now parents are worried and kids, you know, kids pick up on that stuff, right? So parents are worried, kids are worried. So we... Um, uh, we subscribe to uh, an organization called The Conversation, where they publish kind of a lot of real practical stuff by academics. And this uh, this one uh, was written by a woman who is a uh, psychology professor. And, um, you know, just sort of things to, to help your kid if, uh, if he or she seems to be more anxious about going back to school, helping them, helping right. to answer what-if questions or... You know, will this will this hurt me? Or and then helping kids understand the pandemic. Rose, so, statewide, statewide. Where do we stand? There is no na- uh, statewide mandate. No, no. Uh, but I, I, there's a strong I encouragement. There is a strong encouragement, and I think, I think, frankly, politically, it's just not going to behoove the governor to impose a statewide mandate right now. So what they're doing is they're urging people to go out. Uh, I mean, they're urging. Um, school boards to reconsider, uh, you know, making masks optional. And more and more school boards are, you know, taking a second look and going, you know what, like until, you know, for at least a month or two into the school year, we're going to need to have masks in the classroom. Right. Um, I, we're seeing like, you know, sort of county by county, district by district, that the boards of education are changing their minds uh, about, you know, going optional versus going mandatory. And changing their minds in the direction of what? Of more masking. More masking. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Clear, I mean, it, it, was, it was interesting to talk to David Wall. You know, he talked about that there's two reasons why people wear masks, right? One is that, you know, it, primarily it really is about blocking, you know, you talking and spraying stuff all over the place, right? And, right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the secondary is the receptive quality of the mask. But then, you know, the other thing he pointed out is that apparently the reason that Delta is spreading so quickly, and I was reading about this last night, um, is that you know there's, there's something like eight to ten times more virus per breath, essentially viral viruses that are that are being spewed out by people, right? Right. So, and David was telling me that, um, and, and Dr. Weefel, you'll, you'll be familiar with this. So 
the whole idea of the dose making the poison, that because of that, it means that there's that much more viral load. You can get that much more virus, and that that might be part of the reason why we're seeing breakthrough infections, even for people who've been vaccinated, is that there's that much more virus that they're being exposed to. Now, if you've been vaccinated, your antibodies are going to spring into motion and take care of it. But if you've not been vaccinated, there's you know, your, your body's inherent ability to fight off infections. It takes time for it to ramp up. And in yeah. that meantime, people get pretty darn sick. Well, it, it, the thing that I'd like to, to, to point out, okay, back in the winter when we had our winter surge, we weren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. We just weren't. I mean, not yeah. as a country. Um, and we were all wearing masks, most yeah. of us. And there were mask mm-hmm. mandates in most of the country. And 75% of the people who got serious COVID at that time Mm -hmm. were wearing masks. Now, you can't tell me that if we weren't wearing masks, it might have been worse. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But all I'm going to tell you is if you're wearing a mask, it's for them, not you. Okay. Yeah. And and if you're wearing – if both people are wearing a mask, then – both of you are protecting each other, which is why I have no problem wearing a mask. Um, Harris Teeter in my building is now uh, requiring masks. And there are people running around saying, I ain't wearing no dang mask. Put it on. I mean, what what is it going to hurt you? It may help. And I'm going to be one of these honest people, not Dr. Fauci, where a mask may help. Now, if you want to go out and buy an N95. Yeah which is, you know, the super-duper, pooper-scooper mask, go ahead because you're not going to take them from the medical community anymore. Right. There are so many N95 masks out there that are ridiculous. It's just you can get one. So if you want to protect yourself, you've got to wear an N95. But remember, nothing is is absolute. You're not going to be 100% protected. So even if you get the vaccine, even if you wear a mask, you can get it. But... 99% 99% of the time, you're not going to die if you get um, Delta and you've been vaccinated, which is why right. Which is why don't think what Redfield said. You remember that when he got in front of the, uh, the House committee and he held up a paper mask and he said, this is good as a vaccine. That's not true. The only thing that you can get nowadays that's going to protect you against Delta, against getting a serious illness, is one of the vaccines. And that's all there is to it. Did your guy that you had on the radio talk about that? Did he talk about vaccination? And Oh, oh, heck yeah. And, yeah, uh, and I got to listen. Thing is, and then the other thing is to think about that whole idea that everybody was talking about at the beginning of the pandemic of the Swiss cheese, right? That like, you know, the, you're, you're going to get gotten by the vaccine if all the holes align, right? So one layer of the Swiss cheese is a mask and another layer of the Swiss cheese is you know, staying a few feet apart or maybe meeting people outside. And then third layer of the, of the Swiss cheese is the vaccine. And, you know, it's going to be really hard for, it's hard to like see through those layers of Swiss cheese because the holes don't align, right? But if you've yeah. only got one layer, you, you, don't, you don't have as much protection. So it's kind of layering things on. And it, it's not that, it's like you say, Dr. Eiffel, it's not that hard. You, you get a vaccine and you wear a mask when you're like in Harris Teeter. I, uh, I'm up here, I'm on Long Island, about to visit my mom, or I'm visiting my mom, I'm in my brother's backyard. And 
you know, on the plane, I had a mask on. And everyone else did, too. So I was like, okay, feels pretty good. Just to be sure, before I came up to see mom, I got a COVID test this week. It was negative, just as I suspected. So, just you know, and there were plenty of people on planes. There were people in the airport. There were people on the trains. You know, people are just kind of, in New York, people are really serious about masking. So, you know, everyone's just kind of going about their lives, um, taking the, you know, taking that Swiss cheese approach. Vaccines, yeah. another layer is masks, another layer is let's a little so, further apart. I mean, I didn't hear you. Are you wearing two masks? No. I Good. just have one. I just but I have a I, KN95. I'm not so sure I, I really one. believe that. And I, I'm going to be honest. I'm not so sure masks work, but they can't hurt except if you're a baby or if you're, you know, don't yeah. wear a mask if you're by yourself and you're running. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, sure. I see people driving in their cars by themselves on the highway wearing a mask. That's me. Now, I know they voted for Biden. Okay, that's fine. They don't even need a Biden bumper sticker. If you're in your car by yourself wearing a mask, you voted for Biden. Okay, I guarantee it. I mean, you know, sometimes I'll be driving along and I know I'm going to get someplace. And so I put the mask on for like the last, you know, half mile as I'm a young sort of with it at the stop sign before I turn into the parking lot. That's yeah, right. Uh, Rose, yeah, like, Rose, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Put your mask on when you've turned off the car, okay? All right, Juju, I got to break this up. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. Rose Hoban. Right, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right, Bye-bye. we love you. Thank you. Rose Hoban from North Carolina, healthnews.org. And uh, this is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Um, we get letters every now and then. Oh, yeah. We've got some people who are listening to the program on either Apple Podcasts or they go to hearthealthradio.com or they go to the flagship station, WPTF, and they listen live from all over the world. And we got two letters this week, which are— Well, uh, my favorite one uh, was from Iceland. And this guy's an airline pilot, and he listens on Apple Podcasts. And his name is Steiner Bragason. And you can tell that he's from Iceland. I mean, there's, that's a great name, right? Yeah, so, dear Dr. Weefald, I wanted to thank you for your radio show. I've been listening to you every show since January 2020. Yay. He's a 49-year-old airline captain. He has soft heart attack. That's what they call him. You know, it's called a non-STEMI, so it wasn't uh, damaging. Huh. In November of 2019, totally out of the blue, no warning symptoms. He had five stents, and now he's doing very good on a statin. He had fantastic treatment, participating in a medical trial. He injects yourself with a medicine against LPA. Now, that is very new. We always do. It's called LP little a, and it connects cholesterol with clotting. Uh-huh. It's one of those you know proteins, if you have too much of it, it'll bind your cholesterol and cause a clot. Anyway. Your show keeps me focused on my health, and I load your show on my mobile, and I, I even he even listens to it while he's piloting. Isn't that neat? So thanks so much, and keep going, um, and thank you so much, Steiner, and just keep listening, and we, we really appreciate it. Now, we got a local <laughs> one. Uh, the guy claims to be called Houston Fitzgerald. But his email is guilesanddody at gmail.com. So I'm not so sure he wants to give his real name, but I'll read. This is a great one. Here in Eden, North Carolina, I get 680 AM, but I particularly enjoy your show, but just for the comedy of it. This is a dumb doctor 
who tells you to wear white in the summer and don't sweat too much because if you're sweating, you're overheated and it's dangerous. And there is too, I love this, this foil Alexander who really cracks me up. Mm-hmm. I wear a black t-shirt on three mile walks. I go hatless and use no sunscreen whatsoever. I carry a bandana to keep the sweat out of my eyes, but otherwise, he sweats a bunch. I'm 84, and Doc, let to tell you, listeners go a long way to find a program quite as stupid as yours. <laughs> hey, as a kid in Mississippi, I would stare into the sun summers with my eyes open just for the fun of it. Today, I don't even have to wear glasses. Now, this is the great one. If you answer me, I will delete it unread. <laughs> Thank you so much. Houston Fitzgerald in quoted quotes, but I would actually say Giles because that's his real name. And listen, we love letters. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's just great. Send them in. Sure. And we'll read them on the air. If you don't even do email, but you're healthy on a computer, just go to hearthealthradio.com and... Comment on on the latest web, you know. And listen, item and I want to hear what you really feel. I mean, do you? Re- I want to hear what's in your heart because this is a show about heart health. Okay, because this is radio, and because we have we have the medical show, and we cannot let misinformation just sit there. No matter who you are, whether you're Houston or Giles or Giles or whomever, do not stare into the sun. Yeah, I think that's not a good thing. And if you are in the outside and you find yourself wearing a dark outfit, that's perfectly all right. The sun will probably warm you more quickly. I guess. Um, Wearing white will keep you cooler. Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen somebody, a Bedouin, in the middle of the Sahara Desert wearing a black robe? I don't think you're ever going to see that. But this is the one thing about medical advice. Let me just make this point. Please, sometimes you can go against all medical advice and it still works out for you. Yeah. We see these articles every now and then. She's 99 years old. She smokes and drinks and she's healthy as a horse. That's fine. You know something? What? Not a lot of people are like that. Yeah. You know, just because Doc's advice didn't work for you doesn't mean it's for you. I will still say this. Wear white. Make it loose. Put a hat on, make right. it a white hat. Right. Use sunscreen. Yeah. And stay out of the ninety-five degree weather. And if you really, you know, want to keep yourself cool, <laughs> put a cold can to your neck. <laughs> Ten seconds each side. Refrigerate that blood. Right. And you know, even if you don't think it's going to help you health-wise, it'll make you feel better. Let me just tell you, this is Heart Health Radio, and we are so proud of the fact that listeners go a long way. To find a program as stupid as ours. Yeah. And that's it on the Heart Health Radio Network. Exceptional care to make sure you get the right sleep? Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling from Parkway Sleep Health Centers. For your safety and convenience, we now offer virtual sleep consultations. If you feel like you're lacking in the sleep department, do yourself a favor and go to parkwaysleep.com. Book your telehealth appointment and our team will be there every step of the way. We may even find a way to save you money. Go to parkwaysleep.com. Set up your virtual sleep consultation today. That's parkwaysleep.com. 
1960, a first-class postage stamp cost four cents, a gallon of gas cost 31 cents, and Pioneer Exteriors opened its doors serving the Triangle with top-quality home improvement at a fair price. A lot has changed in 57 years, but Pioneer is still providing top-quality products, services, and warranties. Contact us today at 919-828-4405 or PioneerExteriors.com. Buy local, buy quality, buy Pioneer Exteriors. Oh, and let us know if you find any 31 cents gas. Here is Paula Fullerton, design consultant for Max Hugo Interior Design. In North Carolina, we enjoy our outdoor living so many months in the year. Let Max Hugo Interior Design help you make the most of your outdoor living and lounging. We offer comfortable chairs, sofas, and sectionals upholstered in weather-resistant fabrics. We offer tables that are made of reclaimed wood for a rustic look that benefits the environment. Our outdoor-rated lamps will let you enjoy the outdoor spaces into the evening. Define your outdoor living areas with a weather resistant area rug. We have a full range of patterns, colors, and sizes. And we can accessorize your outdoor spaces with wall art, containers, trays, and other beautiful objects. Call the designers today at Max Hugo Interior Design to make your outdoor living spaces beautiful and comfortable. Isn't it time you got to know the designers at Max Hugo? You'll be glad you got to know us. Max Hugo Interior Design, 5850 Fayetteville Road, Sutton Station in Durham. Online at MaxHugoInteriors.com. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my hands. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Who is Frank Mingia? Yeah, Frank is a great guy. He um he uh, was seeing somebody a doctor for a long, long time, yeah. and he's miserable. Um, had AFib, atrial fibrillation, top part of your heart, just quivers. Uh, he had chest discomfort. And he finally decided to get a second opinion. And he came to see the Weefy. Yeah. And uh, got him, got his heart open. The, the arteries were opened up. And then we got his AFib fixed. And, you know, he's what we call a curmudgeon. And I've told him this. And so, you know, he came in and, and he had sort of a negative attitude. And now, let me tell you, I saw him the other day. Yeah. And he's so positive about life in yeah. general. So he's in good rhythm, uh, no chest discomfort. He's breathing well. And the reason why I'm shouting him out is because what I, I try to tell my listeners and my patients out there, get a second opinion. Yeah. And I have a lot of little old ladies. And again, I've been accused of, of you know, talking about women and men differently. So I'll just say I have a lot of great women who are elderly, yes. who are afraid to upset their doctor's feelings because they were brought up, <laughs> you know, to be courteous and kind. That's why they answer the phone when the uh, numbers are blocked and they won't hang up on them because, you know, when they're trying to sell them a TV or something. Because that's rude to hang yeah. up on somebody. Yeah. But get a second opinion. If you're not doing well, don't worry about what your quote-unquote doctor's feelings are because it's your body. Get a second opinion, because it may help you. It may not. But you never know when somebody out there might do things differently and help you. What's this change in North Carolina Medicaid okay. that's got you so frazzled? Yeah. So what's happening is that Medicaid went from a state-administered um, fee-for-service program uh -huh. where you, the doctors would see you, and they would submit a bill based on what they did, how long they spent with you. And then uh, something called NC Tracks, which was the payment portal, would send you your money. Mm -hmm. 
Now, a lot of doctors didn't like Medicaid because they felt like it paid them less. And I tell you, it, it, I did well with Medicaid in terms of that. I got paid. And one of the nice things is you get paid right away. I mean, mm. we used to just, boom, get a check the next week. And so that helped us. Uh, you know, don't think that talking about money in a doctor's practice is a negative thing. We can't be priests because I've got 12 employees and i got to pay them. And uh, now... Mm-hmm. to try to save money. They went to five different managed care companies. So there's Blue Cross, there's United, there's some others. And they're sort of an HMO type deal where you have to get, if you're a specialist like me, you have to get a referral from yeah. your primary care physician. That's okay. I'll get referrals. But here's the problem. Whenever you get a new computer system up and running, and when you're not told that you have to have what they call a taxonomy number, I hate that. What am I, like a, a plant? You know, what's my taxonomy? Um, if you don't put the taxonomy number in the right place, eh, rejected. It gets kicked If out, you yeah. don't put, you know, XYZ PDQ symbols in the right place, it's rejected. Right. There are family doctors who, who depend on Medicaid. Medicaid is about 15% of my practice. But I haven't been paid by Medicaid by any of these programs for since July 1. So I'm down a substantial amount of money. Wow. And I thankfully have, you know, a lot of Medicare and a lot of uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicare and commercial insurance. So right. I'm hanging in there. Um, but, you know, I'm paid myself in three weeks because um, I got to pay my staff, right? You can't do it without a staff. Yeah. And so come on, guys. I mean, I don't understand why they can't just say, our computer system is not working. We trust you. You saw this patient. We're going to send you the money, and we're going to fix your computer system. Because there are family doctors right now who cannot pay their staff because they're 40% Medicaid. And so um, it's just terrible. The money is just stopped? Yeah. Because if you – what what these companies that are – now running Medicaid are saying is if you don't have what we want on your bill 100%, we ain't going to pay you, even though we know you saw the patient right? and we know you did the work, but it's got to be, you know, the details, the, the devil is in right. the details. And right now the devil are these managed care companies that are going to put potentially, if they don't fix this, they're going to put some primary care physicians in the places where they're particularly needed. And that's the rural areas where the Medicaid... Um, yeah. uh, patient population is higher than, say, in Wake County. So please get this fixed, people. I they mean, get, it's you, just ridiculous. You already told me that when there were shutdowns, the uh, physicians, now everybody's hurting, you know, during the shutdown. Yeah. Everybody, I don't want to own a restaurant. Trust me, I don't want to own yeah. a restaurant. I don't want to run a whatever. You were telling me that the financial stress on single Providers it was you know, horrible. People like it. People, I, we had five physicians in Johnson County who shut down and went to their private practices and went to work for hospital, right? Where they could get a guaranteed paycheck. So one of the things I also want to know is, for example, when I take a vacation, okay, mm. I'm not getting paid leave. Sure, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, a, pay, uh, a vacation costs me a, a lot of money, but I do it because I it's sanity issues. Right. But if you are going to a private practitioner, uh, and by that I mean somebody who owns their own practice, who's not owned by, say, UNC or Waitman, right? remember, they're business people. Jesse in Clayton, North Carolina. How you doing, Jesse? Yes, hello. 
Hello. Hi. We don't have a lot of time, but go ahead and tell us what's going on. Okay, I'm, so I, I've been given this number to call because we're having an issue right now. This is a doctor's line, correct? <laughs> this is one of well, le- well, let me just tell you what you are live on the radio. Oh, my goodness. On a program okay. called Heart Health Radio. And yes, Dr. Weefold is right here. Okay, this is not heart related. Is that? That's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm an internal medicine specialist. We call it heart health okay. because yeah, I do what that. My family friend was telling me. So right now, gosh, I'm on the radio. Right now, my husband is driving around everywhere looking for a place, and I've sent him to a few places based on what I'm finding online to go get a colonic. I think that's what it's called. Um, so my friend is calling me. Jesse, tell me exactly what you believe that thing to be, a colonic? Yeah, is it a colon cleanse? He's looking for a place to go get his colon cleanse. Oh, yeah. All right. I tell you what. Having a constipation problem. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let me let me tell you the ones I know. Uh, my Xscape, E X C A P E, and more. And that is the phone number for that is. Uh, blah blah Where is this? Nine one nine seven two seven. Eight seven five seven. I don't know if they use coffee or if they use something else, but they will cleanse out your colon. The other one is Denise Souza, S O U Z A Wellness, and that is nine one nine six zero zero eight eight four zero. And I'll give you the third one, and this is a nice name: Healing Waters of Raleigh, and they've got five stars on Google, um, and their number is 919-665-9256. Now, let me tell you, colonics can be good because you want to cleanse your colon out. But make sure they're experienced and make sure they're not going to put something crazy up there. All right, Jesse, good luck to you and to your husband. You're listening to Heart Health. Another hour is coming up, helping you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network, FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Phone lines are open, 919-860-9783. Call right now. We'll get you on the radio maybe after we talk to Mike in Raleigh. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Hello. Enjoy the show. Thank Thank you. you. What's up? Um, I've started these episodes. I'm 72 years old. I have CLL, which hasn't been a factor for anything. But in July, I started these where I have no energy to the point of passing out. I passed out three times. Wow. And uh, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
Sounds like a blockage somewhere. Could be. Let me ask you a question. Um, how how are your white blood cell counts? Are they under control? Chronic lymphocytic leukemia is just that. Your lymphocytes, which help in immunity, mm-hmm. um, go way up, and you make too much of them. Um, you could live a long time with it. Um, oncologists treat this, and it controls white blood cell count. Mm-hmm. How are you doing with that? I, I'm under control. Good. My last visit, it was under control, yes. So fatigue can happen just from the illness. But I think you're being very smart in asking yourself, well, is there another cause? Because this is something I see a lot, where someone has one form of illness, and then they get other symptoms, and they just think it's from you know, the original illness. So yes, um, you can, for example, have fatigue just from coronary artery disease. Um, That is actually what we call an atypical symptom. Um, But some people have fatigue for a couple weeks before they have a heart attack. Um, Fatigue can can be from not sleeping. Uh, Obstructive sleep apnea is one of the big causes of fatigue that I find in my practice. A low thyroid count, so hypothyroidism can do it. So what I would recommend is that you go see a re- – well, your oncologist may want to do it because they're an internal medicine specialist too. You right. have to do that. Or go see a really good internal medicine specialist and have yourself worked up for fatigue syndrome because there is a specific workup for it and yeah. that you may find out what it is. So one of these numerous uh, types of – of illnesses and syndromes that can cause it. Very good. Well, I, I hope I helped you. Good luck to you, Mike. All right. Thank you. Bye. Dr. Weefall, talk to someone. How did you get in touch with Rebecca Well, Re- Rebecca Mason. Mason is one of our fans in Australia. We have an Australian fan club. We have a couple of Australians who sit around and listen to it together. That's so neat. it's like a sewing bee. It's a weefy bee. <laughs> But Rebecca is, has a uh, very serious uh, genetic syndrome called the Marfan syndrome. Now, what is that? Um, Marfan syndrome is a genetic problem in the production of a protein called fibrillin. Now, what fibrillin does is it helps prevent your connective tissues from being degraded by chronic inflammation. So right. what happens? Connective tissue holds your body together. Right. It's in the joints. It's in the bones. It's everywhere. It connects your tissues. Well, Marfan's patients generally are very tall, have spindly fingers. Uh, the roof of their mouth can be very, very high. Their chest can be, um, to be uh, specific, it looks like it's either it's caved in. Have yeah. you ever seen that? It's called pectus excavatum. And all these things are related to your connective tissue being abnormal. Um, the worst thing, well, two bad things. One is the mitral valve controlling the flow of blood from the lungs to the heart can leak right? because it's stretched out. But the thing that can be fatal and fatal rapidly is something called a dilated aorta. So the aorta is that pipe made of soft tissue that has to be durable because the heart shoots the blood right into that aorta and it has to expand and contract. And what happens in Marfan's patients quite frequently is it expands, expands, and gets to the point where it's about to rip open. So Rebecca had this, and let's hear what she had to say. I interviewed her last Saturday. What was the size of the aorta at the time they decided to research? Was it 5.5 centimeters? That's sort of what 
we look for in the United States. Correct. Yeah, my my cardiologist is quite conservative. The we called it kind of more the red zone. He said, "Look, when we start getting into the red zone, is when we really need to start thinking about this." For him, that number was five. When I got okay. to four point eight, he said, "Look, I'm really, you know, I would really like you to go into this." Um, now-ish, uh, that is definitely something I'd like you to consider. It's obviously up to the patient as well, um, yeah. but, but that's when uh, the cardiologist starts making sounds about the, this is cause for concern. I don't want it. Okay. For him, he didn't want me to go into the operation at five. They, they try and prevent um, that. So just at that 4.8 is... Um, yeah, I, I think that, that that's a good yeah. thing. Um, yeah. I think people... I think when I was in residency at Johns Hopkins, the surgery had a significant risk at the time of surgery for complications. Yeah. I think now, and we're going to talk about the type of surgery you have, yes. it's the, the risk is a lot lower. So you weigh yes. risk benefit. Correct. And the real risk is when the aorta gets really big, the inner lining called the intima can actually tear. And when the dissection happens, that's what it's caused. You want to get it before that happens because at Correct. the time of the dissection, it's really, really a dangerous situation. Well, so tell us about the surgery they decided <laughs> you to have because that is so cool. I think that you know you're a living example of the of the um, the progress that cardiothoracic surgeons have made treating this. Absolutely. And we we're very lucky that we essentially waited 30 years because the surgery I would have had when I was two, when I was diagnosed, would have been very different from what I had when I was 31. So exactly like you said, for anyone who doesn't know about Marfan's, the heart condition of it growing um, is of, of the aorta growing is of concern because if it keeps growing, it essentially um, splits in half because it's gotten too big. And when it splits in half, uh, that's called a dissection and it's obviously a fatal. Um, so in order to prevent that happening, you are measured. Um, and when you're asked to go in for surgery, what they try and do is basically strip out part of the aorta. I mean, I, I know that I'm talking to a high-end professional, so this is more layman's no, you're terms. Doing, you're, no, no, no. Listen, you're doing great. <laughs> Keep going. You. Keep going. It's wonderful. So if you picture that hose going through the heart and then it, um, what basically happens is they take part of it out at the bottom and try and sew it up. There are a couple of different ways that they can do this. Um, the particular surgery I had was called valve sparing. So one of the options is valve sparing. That's the first option um, my surgeons sought out. And basically, it's like, look, Rebecca, when we go in, we're not going to know the quality of your aorta. If the quality of your aorta is manageable, we can try and spare the valve. That means we, we're not putting in any particular external tissue, like pig or cow's tissue. We can use your current tissue to be able to reduce the size of the aorta and kind of stitch it back up again and put a Band-Aid around it called Dacron. If that's not the case, Rebecca, the next stage is using cow or pig's tissue to do that. So that's kind of like, you know, um, you know, the silver, the silver option. And then the bronze option, if that doesn't work out, is having a mechanical valve, uh, which means it's like, as, it's, as, as it sounds, it's a mechanical valve. Um, we were just very fortunate that they were able to spare my valve. Um, and that's called uh, valve sparing surgery, like I mentioned. 
they break the they break the chest uh they go into the order they do that operation it was about seven hours you're put on heart and lung machine as you would know and your body's uh cools down um so, so i think the a lot of the blood's removed and uh, it takes a couple of hours for you to get warmed um back up again um so it, it's a fairly intensive surgery <laughs> yeah. so did they actually put a new tube in or did they wrap around the old they wrapped old or... they did the wrap it's really cool i have yeah. a patient who this is really interesting he didn't have marfan syndrome but he had a very large aortic root and and so he had to have bypass surgery at the same wow. time and they did um they wrapped the aorta on and it's been gosh six years he's doing well how long did it take you to really get back to yourself after the surgery when you were up and about and having fun? <laughs> uh, that's an excellent question. And I think it really, it's always going to depend on the individual and there's no one size. And I think that there are different stages of recovery, which is something I probably wasn't aware of um, going into it. There's kind of your more acute recovery, which means when you're waking up in ICU that you've woken up. So you know that there's been a good outcome. Like it's good that you've woken up. There's obviously a risk in these things that you may not ever wake back up again. So the very fact that you get up is great. Um, that acute phase is about three days. And then after that, it's kind of the five day mark. You can start to walk, which is it's excruciating, but you can can. It took about 12 weeks to the point where I could kind of get up and shower and dress myself comfortably. Getting back up to the stage where I, I feel like I could live a full life as a young adult, in all honesty, it's taken about three years um, or just about three years where I feel um, not fatigued all the time. I've got full capacity of my body movements where I can do a lot of movement. I can go to work and deliver like 100%, not at like 20%, because in all honesty, for a good 12 to 24 months after the surgery, I felt the brain capacity, um, not, not that I didn't have a willingness to work. I just couldn't commit a lot of brain capacity because I think your body's just working in overdrive to because mm -hmm. the impact is so strong. So Australia's wonderful, Sydney. <laughs> yes. It's very, is it different in, in the sense, you know, everybody criticizes the US in terms of its healthcare system. Mm. What is it like in Australia? Is it, is it universal healthcare for everybody? Or yeah. How does it work? Yeah, it's very interesting. It's um, uh, like, I think access to healthcare is, is phenomenal. Uh, we do have a universal healthcare system called Medicare. So if you anyone can access that. So you can go to a, uh, pretty much any GP or any hospital, and you don't have an out of pocket expense for visiting. If you're having a surgery like this, there are two options. Basically, you can go into that Medicare system and the, the cost is covered and you might have like out of pocket fee for like $500, for example, um, for say you're just admission. Um, and then there's uh, additional, and I think you guys might have a similar structure in that there's private health insurance. Um, you can, and it's basically, it's voluntary. Um, and if you pay private health insurance, it means that going in for surgery like this and certain types of surgery, you have the option of going into a private hospital um, and you're not paying any excess 
Uh, and by excess, it's like no extra than what you've already paid for your health insurance. So you can opt into yes. Medicare or opt into a private system. Correct. Yeah. And is, and so Medicare, you'd be paying like a monthly premium for and the same thing for private or how does it work? No, Medicare is basically taken out of your tax automatically. Okay. So the way that it's basically every single citizen is covered by Medicare. So it's not an either or. If you choose okay. private health insurance, it's on top of Medicare. Um, so it's okay. like you get extra help if you wanted to go into private hospital. Hospital. What's it like in Sydney right now? Um, Sydney, we're in lockdown at the moment, uh, which Still? is a universal, which is fairly universal. So we had a period last year where we were in lockdown for about four months, and then we were kind of out of it for about eight months, and then we came back into it about two months ago. So we're, um, you know, it's it's not the first not the first test run, I guess, but you know, vaccinations are coming out um, a lot more fast and thick and heavy. So uh, Hopefully, we'll so be. What, what is what does a lockdown entail? I mean, can you no. go to work, not go to work, no. or essential All for working people? For, uh, only for essential services like yourself. Um, uh -huh. So doctors and medical staff, uh, everyone else that's working from home, no school or anything like that. School is all online or work all from home. Uh, you can leave the house to exercise. So like walking and um, anything around your local area. Uh, you can go to pick up food and essentials uh, like at the chemist or supermarket right. or pick up a coffee but yeah no loitering there's lots of police around and if there's you know more than three people oh, in wow. a group you get asked to move on or move away oh, wow. yeah <laughs> that's rebecca mason talking with dr franklin wefold uh she is from sydney australia they are locked down yeah and, and they're New having zealand's even worse anti lockdown protests thousands of people in well the streets. I, I don't doubt that i mean one of the things i'm going to tell you about new zealand they, they locked down over one new case yeah and they've got six and here is the problem unless they vaccinate everybody mm -hmm. and they you know they, unless they get everybody vaccinated when they open up they're going to lock down again because you need immunity Right. And, you know, you just you have to. And I don't know if a continuous lockdown with zero case uh, goal right. is either feasible or even recommended. Phil in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. You're on the Heart Health Radio Network. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. How you doing? Um, um, hello. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm doing I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. What's uh, up? Um, you do a great show. My wife and I are both listeners. Thank you. But uh, I, I do have a beef with both of you. Uh oh. oh yeah. Spam bashing. Who? Spam. Oh, spam. spam. What about spam. spam? Well, I'm looking at a can of Spam Light. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, that's and bad. I'll, no. Spam I'll Light. I'll you all the nutritional facts. It's not good. Details, but it's but it's 50% less fat. Yeah. 25% less sodium. Yeah. And 33% fewer calories. Wow. And I like it. Good. And I just don't see a killer in this can. Well, let me tell you something. I like spam. And one of the things that we talked about in, in the show was not anti-spam, but that, you know, it, it's I don't think spam is as bad for you as a ho-ho. <laughs> okay. I'm against sugar <laughs> and flour. Um, I am not so much against fat. 
and I am not so much against processed meat. So, uh, go ahead. Phil, we had a segment on the show several months ago called, Can I Eat This? And I brought in Spam. Yeah. And Dr. Weefald determined that from a can of Spam, a regular, I can eat, I think you said one-sixth. Yeah. Of the can. I thought that was, yeah. And listen, if you, my dad loves Spam. And so we used to have Spam and eggs, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Spam is, like I said, I mean, if, if you, I get a choice, a ho-ho or some Spam. Eat the Spam. But one thing I will tell you, um, light is not necessarily good. So, for example, ranch dressing. Yeah. If you can eat ranch, don't eat ranch light. Yeah. You know why? Because no. ranch light has less fat. Yeah. But it, it makes it up with flour, and therefore it's worse for you. Um, I think Spam Light is light only because it has a little less fat and a little less sodium. Right. And I think the sodium uh, restriction is more important than the fat restriction, quite frankly. Sometimes so, when things, and I want to involve Phil in this, because sometimes when things are listed as light or you know, no fat or mm-hmm, lower fat mm-hmm. or lower sodium. I just eat more of it. Yeah. What I want to know, Phil, how do you make it and how do you like it? And what do you, you know, will you have a special recipe you want to tell us? Well, I like it with eggs. Okay. Yeah. That's what my daddy did. He loved Spam and eggs. Did and you, do you fry your Spam? Do you eat it? I do. Yeah. If you, if you, for whatever reason, if you brown it a bit in the, mm. in the frying pan, yeah. it changes the taste, mm. improves the taste. Yeah. But, um, I can eat a Spam sandwich as well. But yeah. I do you put mustard it. on it, or what do you put on it? Yeah, some mustard, sure. Mm-hmm. I love but, it. Uh, okay, I got a quiz for you if you're a Spam fan. Oh, no. Where is okay. Spam consumed in the world more than anywhere else? Do you know? Uh, I think Guam. No. It's Guam is second. Okay. Hawaii. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. We love our spam. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, it pours off the shelves in Hawaii, and I think they put spam and pineapple together. And uh, that's a big thing. So uh, you may have a beef with us, but you don't have a spam with us because <laughs> I am not going to tell people not to eat spam. Now, don't eat the whole can at one time because I think you'll have indigestion or the runs from all that uh, stuff in there. But no, I I think Spam is every now and then, like anything else, is a wonderful treat. And that, you know, I said treat? (laughs) Yes. There's something called T-R-E-E-T, right? And that's like the Spam uh, uh, competitor, right? What it is, Phil and Dr. Weefold, it's all the meat that wasn't good enough for Spam. Right. They put it in treat. Which has got to make you worried. I don't know how they line up. Yeah. Spam, treat, and what's the other thing? That I have no eating? idea. The, the, you know, what's the, what's the lower quality? They actually have a generic quality. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is, so, Phil, did you ever want, you? are you a fan of Monty Python? No. Okay. So, okay. what I want you to do is Google. Uh, no. If you get on yes. YouTube, yes. Monty Python it was all about spam for a while. And they would have these British people talking about spam. And this woman would go, I love spam. Oh, I don't like it. You could have mine. And they even had a song. Yes, they spam, did. Spam, 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 yeah. spam, spam. <laughs> Wonderful spam. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, a cultural icon. So right. your assignment today is get on YouTube and just search Spam Monty Python. Thank and you. And if you're a spam fan, you'll love this program. Thank you, Phil.
Diane in Chapel Hill. Hi, welcome to the show. Very quick, because I think your news is going to break in. And I've called before, and I love no, the show. No, Diane, this, you're on the show now. I Fire know. up. Fire it up. I know. Listen, doctor, I heard you're having your shot tomorrow or whatever. Doctor, I believe, if I remember correctly, you had Moderna. Is that correct? I had Moderna? Is that yes. what you're saying? Yes, I did. Okay, doctor, have you thought about doing Pfizer? I'm going to get my shot. I'm going to stand in line. I'm going to be the first old lady to get my shot. Yeah. But but I'm thinking I had two Pfizers. Yeah, so if I you dare, had, yeah, you want to know if you I should get a... go to Moderna? Well, I, let me tell I, you, I don't know the answer to that. I One know the, you don't. And, you know, I don't listen to Fauci, the movie star, but I listen yeah. to doc, Dr. Gottlieb. Yeah. I believe in. And yeah, Scott know. Gottlieb's a good guy. What did he say to instruct me? What Did, did Gottlieb say get it? He hasn't said anything, and my okay. concern is he's on the board of Pfizer. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I, he's got good ethics. He was FDA. Yeah, FDA. yeah, I know the guy. He was. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, and he wasn't fired. He, he retired. He just left. He yeah. could, get better, he could uh-huh. get better money. But he's not saying anything. Yeah. I want to know okay. if I dare well, switch. Well, yeah, it's not been studied, so we oh, don't quote-unquote so. know. I didn't But, so. yeah, um, uh, there are people who recommend that if you've had two Pfizer's to get a Moderna booster, uh-huh. uh, the official word is to stay in the company line. Um, I don't know. Uh, one of the things you'll know about me is a lot of doctors don't like to say uh, they don't know. Uh, I, I don't mind saying it. Um, I, I can't tell you what to do. Uh, th- I know that some pharmacies will do it, but I don't know. Uh, there are a lot of pharmacies who won't. So let me tell you what I did. Uh, I signed up for another Moderna. Mm-hmm. I am not of the pro-Pfizer or pro-Moderna group. They are the two that I would recommend because mm-hmm. I think they're scientifically better, but that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they're made the same, the same concept, uh, the messenger RNA surrounded by fat, a fat globule. Uh, there are some scientists who are recommending you switch. So you had two Modernas, get one Pfizer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think there's any evidence that if you went to the other side on the third one, that it hurts you. I don't think there's any evidence that it actually helps you. So um, this is a, a conundrum. I'm going to stick with Moderna just because I got this gut feeling, but I can't tell you that I'm right. Thank you both. Thank you. All right. You're Thank welcome. you, Diane. I wish I could be more specific, but I'm, when I'm, I don't know. I'm going to tell you I don't know. No, because we don't know, because we haven't right. had boosters yet. Yeah. You know? It'd be hard to test, especially yeah. now. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Right. Thank you, Diane. By the way, you know where they get that fat globule that they put around yeah. the thing? They get it from spam. Oh, I j- They get I, it from I cans bet. of spam. You open that thing up, there's... Every now and then, there's a big chunk on the edge. <laughs> and it's got a lot of mRNA. You know what people what's, don't realize? What's that? That they think, oh, they're getting mRNA in my system. You know when you get bit by a mosquito? Yeah. It's a huge load of mRNA that comes from the skeeter. And so we have been getting injections of mRNA forever. From mosquitoes. Skeeters. All right. This is Heart Health Radio. Hang on. We've got Cheryl in Apex. She's going to be on the show. The phone's ringing. This is a good show. Enjoy it. Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. 
Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. And if you don't spot it, we'll point it out for you. Mm. Dr. Franklin Weefald mm. here talking with Cheryl in Apex. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Hey, what's up? Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, we have a daughter that's getting married in about three weeks. Oh, yes. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we hope so. Um, we'll <laughs> I, I sense <laughs> some what, hesitation what there. What say? Well, because of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I get it. I thought maybe it was the groom. <laughs> Initially, but not now. Yeah. We, we, we like him. Yeah. <laughs> you better. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, some of our relatives from out of town are not vaccinated. Mm. And um, they contacted uh, an online doctor and filled out a form and paid their $90 and um, were sent some medications that they could take in case they tested positive for COVID while they were here. And one of them is hydrochloroquine, um, and another option is the ivermectin, I believe. Invermectin, uh, yeah. So you, you, want, you want me to tell you the truth about what yes. I would do? Yes. I wouldn't let him in the wedding, quite frankly. I just wouldn't. I mean, ivermectin has some data. Uh-huh. Uh, I think hydroxychloroquine has more data than ivermectin. I, and I don't, I'm not one of those people who say, if you take it, you're going to kill yourself. It may help. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But quite frankly, uh, my daughter's getting married in November. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I'm advising her not to let anybody in, in the area who's not vaccinated. Because, you know, I think the problem with that is going to be the spread to... Um, some of the more vulnerable people. I mean, the grandmas are there, great grandmas are there, and I, I'm my recommendation. Although you know, you may get a family feud going on, but I, I'm going to tell my daughter. And well, no, I'm not going to tell her. I'm going to advise her to say that everybody at her wedding, guests, and everybody else needs to be vaccinated because I think that's the best way that you can prevent problems and if you're dancing you're not going to wear a mask you know right and uh, now i hope that you all make this decision and don't say dr Weefall told me because i'm just telling you right now what i would do and what i'm going to recommend to my daughter mm-hmm. because i mean there were those uh, guys in provincetown and they went and had a wild and crazy party yeah. and a lot of them Tested positive, but here's the good news. Mm-hmm. They all didn't get sick. Nobody died. Right. So I think that what you would hate is if you had some unvaccinated people who later tested positive for COVID and grandma or grandpa, and I love them mm-hmm. dearly, uh, was vaccinated and got very sick. Right. So that's what I think. I've got a question. Yeah. Cheryl, they got an online doctor to write them either a prescription or to send them medication. Yeah, that's terrible. For a virus they don't have. Yeah, and they're trying to prevent it. You know, prophylaxis, quite frankly, okay, if they could find somebody, and I don't recommend this, what would be better is an automatic uh, immunity, which is something we're going to get to. Uh, They're now recommending if you're Mm post-exposure, so you've been exposed but have not even been tested positive, you can get the monoclonal antibody infusion. Now, what is that? We, a year ago, 
I recommended this uh, or said that it should be done, and it's instant antibodies. Okay, you get the antibody. Mm-hmm. So I might make an exception if somebody could prove that they got the monoclonal antibody infusion, but I'm, I, just, I just would recommend, and this is up to your family, um, to tell people you either come vaccinated or you don't come. How do you get the monoclonal antibody? Well, that's tough. Uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and in Clayton, I do know Clayton, um, you go, you call up a certain number, and I, I, I'm not going to give this number over the phone because they're going to accuse me, I mean, over the air, because they'll accuse me of swamping them. But you can get it uh, in Clayton, and you can get it in Raleigh as uh, uh, treatment for early COVID. And mm. um, I think pretty soon, post-exposure, you'll be able to get it. Um, and, you know, I think that you, just make sure everybody's vaccinated because you're not going to necessarily prevent the transmission, but people will get less sick on in general. Now, could somebody die? Yes. Yeah. But it's much less likely if everybody's vaccinated. All right, Cheryl, thank you very much. Kirk in Western Wayne County. How you doing, Kirk? Hi, I'm doing good, thank you. Good, what's uh, up? Over here in Western Wayne County, one of these local guys you were talking about earlier, yeah, North Carolina Navy, that has not been vaccinated. Uh, ask you or tell you why my reasons have not been vaccinated. Sure. What your thoughts on that are? So my concern about getting vaccinated is I've not heard much about this from anybody. It's the long term effect of the vaccine, especially the mRNA vaccine, right. which I guess are Pfizer and Moderna. Right. So what do you think about long-term effects? Like 5, 10, or 20 years now, we find out there's a whole pandemic of health issues, like, say, with your immune system or something like that that's been caused by getting the vaccine. Right. I understand. Um, This is a question that no one can answer. Um, The what's going to happen 20 years from now. I will say this. um, mRNA lasts in your body not very long. Um... And mRNA from bacteria uh, that you may get in your bloodstream from other viruses have already been there. Okay, so if, for example, when you get a common cold, Mm -hmm. the virus gets into your bloodstream from a common cold, it produces mRNA, that gets into your cells, and the virus hijacks your own machinery and makes itself. So that is happening to you right now because you've got viruses in you that are benign. They don't hurt you. So the question becomes, you know, why would the mRNA from this vaccine act differently from the mRNA that is naturally getting into you all the time? We talked about mosquitoes. When a mosquito bites you, there's mRNA pouring into your uh, bloodstream. It's from the bacteria, from whatever is in there. It's getting into your cells and doing the same thing that the vaccine does. The only difference is the vaccine only has the mRNA for the spike protein. When you get a viral infection, you've got the mRNA from the spike protein, from the cell wall, from everything. So you're right. I cannot tell you if there's going to be an effect 20 years from now. But I can tell you scientifically that is extremely unlikely based on the fact from the day you came out of your mother's womb, 
There were viruses attacking your body and putting mRNA in your body. And, you know, here we are now. So you're right. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you with my scientific knowledge that I got from Princeton, Johns Hopkins, and Duke, Mm -hmm. it's extremely unlikely that it's going to have a long-term effect. Now, I'm different from most pro-vaxxers that I am not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying that God gave you free will and gave you um, a, a sense of being able to look at things. I happen to think that my advice to you would still be to get the vaccine because it's so unlikely that that particular worry that you have is going to come true. But it's not written in stone that it won't come true because who's, who knows? We can't do that experiment. We haven't gone to 20 years. Now, remember in the movies where people can go back and forth from the future? Right. Boy, that'd be great, wouldn't it? We could go to the 20 years in the future and the people who got the vaccine didn't grow. My daughter was worried about, you know, might grow an extra arm. You know, I, I wouldn't mind that because uh. I'm so busy. But no, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, and uh, would just say that my advice is still to get the vaccine because I think what you're worried about, while it could happen, is really unlikely. All right. So let me ask you this. Yeah. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is harder to come by. Yeah. You only need one shot of that. And my understanding is more like the conventional flu vaccine. It, you're right, it is. So I feel like that was probably the safer of the three, at least since we don't know long-term effects of the vaccine. So what are your thoughts on the Johnson & Johnson versus the other two? Okay, so I am not one to recommend one over the other because I don't want my listeners to think, oh, my God, I should have gotten the other one. Something's going to happen. They're all effective. The J&J works in a different way. It is a... Uh, another type of virus, actually, and it's a it's the whole thing, and it makes the spike protein that way. Uh, but remember, when you compare apples to apples and apples to oranges, it's really doing the same thing. Um, what it, the difference is is what we call a vector. So the vector for the uh, genetic material in Moderna is a little fat globule. And the vector for the J&J is a different kind of virus Mm -hmm. that is benign in human beings. But when you think about it, they really work the same way. Um, The difference is you could say that perhaps the J&J is more of a natural type of vector uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a fat globule. I don't know the answer to that. I think the only thing about J&J that's different from the mRNAs is that there's a minuscule chance with the mRNAs that young people get what's called myocarditis. And that is true. It's uh, it's slight. I mean, 99.999% chance you're not going to get myocarditis. The difference with the J&J is that there is a very slight risk of blood clots um, forming. And you've read, and I'm sure you have, that some people have died of these blood clots. Mm -hmm. But it's a 99.999% chance you won't get a blood clot. So here's what I'm going to tell you. That's your choice. Use your own gut feeling. Use your own sense of what you've uh, read and figured out. And if you want the J&J, have at it. I think it'll work. Um, And I can't uh, possibly criticize you for picking J&J over Moderna. And so um, another answer is I don't know. 
uh, but I think your thought process is logical for for you know who you are and and just you know you pick if you're gonna get one uh, just pick one and do it Kirk thank you very much thank you Kirk here is Jeff Jeff you're from Lindell am I right well close I'm in Wendell Wendell yeah, I we- thought that. come on now you don't know Wendell from Wendell I come do. On. I love Wendell. I had some friends who lived in there, and I, I think it's a great town. Yeah, Jeff, what's up? Well, Doctor, you and I share the same uh, alma mater. I went to Johns Hopkins my own self. Yeah. What did you, uh, the university or the, um, the undergrad or the medical school? I was an undergraduate there. Well, I tell you, were you a, are you still a lacrosse fan? Uh, not exactly. Uh-oh. What, you can't go to Johns Hopkins and not know lacrosse. Oh, I, 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 I could play a little lacrosse, but I wasn't on the lacrosse team. Oh, no, but I'm no. saying that, but, but they're fans, right? Oh, huge fans. When I was there, I would go to the lacrosse games. That's how I got introduced to lacrosse. I'll let you get your question, but I just want to shout out my daughter. She was Division Three All-American. Yeah. Yeah, she could play lacrosse, and now she coaches lacrosse Wonderful. in a- Atlanta. But anyway, get your, get your question. I love jo- Johnny Hopkins. That's what we used to say. Yeah, that's right, or the hops. Yeah, the hop. Um, my question for you, Doctor, is this. Uh, I just got back a calcium score of 176. Oh, how old are you? 70 years old. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, did they give you a percentile when you got it? Yes, they did. And what did they say? Well, uh, they, they said that 60% of uh, people had more uh, uh, calcium than I did. That's exactly right. So they the told pro- you the, the right The problem thing. that I encountered was that, that my left anterior descending has 92 of those 176. Yeah. So let me tell you about me. I'm, I'm younger than you, and my calcium score in my left anterior descending was about 200, 220. Oh and I, well, you know, I had a stress test, and it was negative, which meant that more than likely the blockage was less than 50%. And, you know, that's the diameter that's occluded. What the calcium means is that you've got a cholesterol plaque there. We do not know if it's a 10% plaque or an 80% plaque. But the most important question is how you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, I, I just, just got done walking three and a half miles. Awesome. Have you had a stress test? Uh, I have. And what that turn out to be? Doing completely successful. Okay. So what's your LDL cholesterol? And I tell you, the total is not what I want to know, the LDL or the bad cholesterol. 67. Good. So um, are you are you not eating sugar or flour? Are you trying to stay away from that? Uh, unfortunately, I've just started on a program where I'm trying to reduce my sugar intake. Okay, good. The only thing I would recommend for you, you're doing everything right, is to ask your doctor if you can get a CRP. I don't mean crap, because <laughs> you get crap on this show. Yes. CRP is C-reactive <laughs> protein. Now, that is a measure, pretty pretty accurate, of the amount of inflammation in your body. So I had this high score. My LDL was 178. I probably have a type of familial hypercholesterolemia. I went on a high-dose statin, and I got it down to 130. That's not good enough. Yours is good. You want it less than 70. I will tell you, the lower, the better. So I went on Repatha, which is that shot I talked about earlier. You know what my LDL now is? It's 11. So I went back and got a calcium score again, and it was 50 in the LAD. You can reduce the amount of cholesterol. And my CRP, when I went on turmeric and I'm taking my fish oil, well, 
purified fish oil. It's called Vesipa. And I've cut that. I'm a sugar freak. I got to tell you that right now. I still have my one, sometimes two, bottle of Coke a day, you know, the little eight ounce bottle. But my CRP went from 11, which is extremely high, to less than 0.1. So the, the last thing I would tell you is to find out if your doctor wants to do a CRP and you can see how much inflammation you have. And then you can, if it's great, you know, then, hey, just keep walking, keep eating the way you're eating, keep taking. If you're on a medicine, keep doing that. I would recommend if you're not on a statin to talk to your doctor about a statin, even if your cholesterol is low. And the reason is that even if your cholesterol is quote unquote normal, you have coronary disease and you go on a statin, you still reduce your risk of a heart attack. You got to make sure your doctor agrees because the statin not only works by lowering cholesterol, it lowers inflammation. And so I tell you, pat yourself on the back, Johnny Hopkins grad, because you're doing everything right. And I am uh, very excited for you because you're an example to our listeners of how you do things with coronary disease. Thank you, Jeff. Call anytime. And, right. uh, let, wait, wait, wait. Next time you call, you got to sing the alma mater. I no, love it. Don't sing the I'll alma do mater. Don't encourage him. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. All right. Take care. There is a cancer cluster at a local yeah, university. Yeah, I'm really worried about this. And we're going to talk about that next on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. I want to shout out everybody who called today's show. Yeah, I, I want to shout out someone who I met about a month ago. Yeah. And uh, I don't think she wants her name put out there, but it begins with a T and ends with a Y, her first name. <laughs> and, you know, I think that the, rhy- this show is not just about physical health, although I think somebody like her, who is a positive person, who has had, you know, a few little health trials, and, I mean, uh, uh, trials and tribulations. Yeah. But I, I met this person about a month ago, and I'm telling you, uh, the happiness just flows out in a yeah. positive way. And um, I think it's made me healthier, not necessarily wealthier, <laughs> but more wise. So shout out to T ending in Y. Very good. Uh, let me just tell you, this has been a difficult week for a lot of people, especially those who are news nuts. And I think these last two hours, of course, we haven't talked about the major story that everybody else is talking about. And that probably a great thing that we've moved, you know, that you can change, you know, turn the page. Yeah. And, and you can talk about other stuff. Yeah. But this is worrying me. Yeah, East Carolina U. Uh, five professors uh, in the same faculty building. And I tell you, when that happens, it's much less likely due to chance. It's still possible. Right. Go ahead. But five have died. Yeah, of pancreatic cancer. And when you think about asbestos, and this is what they're worried about, because this is an old building. Mm-hmm. I tell you, asbestos used to be the best insulator there was. Right. I mean, they would put it on pipes, they'd spray it on, um, and the shipbuilders uh, in World War II. Uh, right. They, a lot of them got a cancer that is usually associated with asbestos, and that's, that's called uh, mesothelioma. But I didn't know this, and I learned this. Um, you could get cancer of the larynx, 
cancer of the ovaries. And there are definite cases of pancreatic cancer linked to asbestos. Now, there, were, there was more than one manufacturer of asbestos, so there might have been uh, slight differences in the chemical composition that causes maybe one type versus the other. Um, they got to investigate this. And I think no matter what, you got to get that asbestos out of there. Now, right. the problem is that's very expensive. Very expensive. Oh, sure, yeah. And so uh, I think this is something that uh, ECU needs to put their act together and get this taken care of. And my heart goes out to the families of those faculty members because it's just a, a, a very, very sad thing. And you mentioned that it is possible that it is simply random. Uh, yeah, okay, but let me, let me tell you, cancer clusters can be random. Because it's a random thing that there might be a cluster. Right. Um, But when you have 17 cases of leukemia within one mile of a chemical plant, the likelihood that that's a random event is very, very small. And I think the likelihood that this is a random event where five people working in the same building all got Mm -hmm. pancreatic cancer is extremely small, the likelihood that it's a uh, random event. So get on this, ECU. All right. There is a... uh a couple of stories. One is right in front of me about um, from a group called Healthline. A silver lining of remote learning. Students got a lot more sleep. Yeah, especially in front of their computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was another story that came out, an American study. I read it in a U.K. magazine, and it had to do with children born during the lockdowns. Yeah. That... Those who were infants and were supposed to get out and socialize yeah. and do all these things, but instead did not, their IQ scores are greatly reduced, what you would expect. That's what happened to me. My mom wouldn't <laughs> let me get out of the house. <laughs> I mean, but, but the sad part is when we do lock our doors, we yeah. eliminate the social yeah. interaction. Absolutely. We're, we're affecting our kids. Same thing when we do this uh, remote learning. Yeah. It's not as effective I- at all. Yeah. I, I, so, I tell you right now, despite the risks of transmitting COVID yeah. by having uh, in-classroom teaching, mm-hmm. you just got to do it. Risk-benefit analysis, right? You yeah. always make decisions on risk-benefit analysis. And when you look at the benefit of a generation of children and their educational um, development. Right. You got to be in school. This remote learning does not work. Does I, it? No. Yeah, no. Absolutely it, not. It doesn't. And I, so so school, yes. Mask or no mask in school? I think that's got to be a decision of each individual school or school district. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, um, one of the problems with masks is what I have. Hmm. is a hearing problem. I have a nerve deafness and high frequencies. Mm-hmm. I need to see lips move Yep. in order for me to understand what people are saying. Now, on the radio, you may not realize that Dave mm-hmm. often has hmm. to write down what, what the callers are saying. Now, interestingly, when I'm wearing my headphones, I can hear better. Yes. Um, but hearing aids don't work for me. Um, because of my high-frequency hearing loss. I bought some $8,000 hearing aids that frequency shift. Yeah. So they take the the high frequencies and shift them down. They worked 
fairly well <laughs> until my dog Lebowski chewed him up. <laughs> And I have not gotten them again because I hate those things in my ear. Okay. I just hate it. Yeah. You know? And so (laughs) I am doing what's not good medically is I'm not wearing my hearing aids. You know, I could wear those um, headphones all the time. Right. But it wouldn't necessarily be good. You'd look goofy. Well, that's it. That's Heart Health Radio. Thank you for listening on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.